0: Nothing about this is luck, but it's ambition. nothing gets in our way, we on a clear mission We making plans, we just trying to lift society, working so hard that we growing notoriety And we born with the drive, yeah it's inside of me. Eric, Mark and James, we giving game, they inspiring Adam clear with the vision, it's so deployable You do what you want when you live in life, unemployable
1: What is up everybody, welcome back to Unemployable We have a red hot racy show for you today that is going to include some pretty cool content are you boys pumped and ready to roll for another episode? How are you going, Eric? He's definitely pumped. After <laughs> the WhatsApp chats, he's uh, more than pumped. After the research this week? Yeah, for boats, that is.
0: <laughs> Eric actually hasn't slept. He's just been <laughs> researching. Well, like I
1: Quagmire out of Family Guy. Yeah. What's, what's going on? Were you watching me through my window, Are you? Uh, was, well, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, today we are covering the business of OnlyFans, which was very eye-opening for us middle-aged gentlemen who honestly... As far as I know, have never been into OnlyFans. We're going to dive into that today, uh, as well as a whole bunch of other cool stuff. We're going to be di- diving into the potentially imminent bull run of crypto. What do we all think of that? And a whole bunch of other stuff. Mark, how are you, mate? You up from Melbourne again?
0: Yeah, yeah. Good to be here. And uh, very intrigued to see how this one goes. It's some great topics.
1: JD, <laughs> what's happening? Uh oh, couldn't be better, Adam. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, you can see the ban has already started. I don't, and that's, <laughs> I don't think it's going to slow down at all from there. So uh, looking forward to it. For those watching, we have a WhatsApp group between us with our producer and uh, uh, and the rest of the crew. And this week has been particularly spicy because of uh, we, we actually had to open an OnlyFans account because we wanted to go in there and actually do the research properly. So you can imagine the uh, the back and forth with it. But I wanted to kick off the show before we get into that with uh, a bit of fun because, you know, whenever, guys, you you launch something and if you're out there listening to this and you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to launch something, you know, something that is absolutely for sure is you're not going to get love all the time. Publishing art takes courage. There's a fantastic book by Seth Godin called The Icarus Deception. And it's really dedicated to artists of all kind, whether you're a musician, whether you're an entrepreneur, anybody expresses themselves creatively and then publishes, which Seth Godin calls the definition of art. You're only an artist when you actually publish. And this podcast has been months and months in the making, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars to set it all up. And then you publish and you put it out to the world and, you know, your friends and your family and your mum cheer you on, but there's always those who don't. I thought it might be fun just to read the best comment that we got this week, (laughs) (laughs) the best feedback, which was uh, uh, sent through. And uh, and here it is. So guys, this is a lesson. If you're watching this or listening to this and you ever feel you're getting harsh criticism, try this one on for size. Okay, so here it is. I watched your podcast and it sucks balls. Two out of 10. You're missing the point. Fox News works because of debate. There's no debate. You need to get creative. Uh, the presenters are all the same, in my opinion, and also none of us have any fucking idea who the hell you clowns are. <laughs> at least stick to some com- At least stick some company logos uh, and and who you are. I don't respect any of you. I know you're all successful, but in what? You need to keep referring to yourselves uh, and what you've done. Like Patrick, bet David. Everyone knows he's in insurance. He says it in every episode. He says he's built a company with three, thirty thousand employees and four hundred million dollars. Your show is so shit, zero relevance, no no topic, no direction. What's the agenda? What's the core values? Why should I even listen to you? And the most important is how is any of this shit even interesting? Talking about Elon's book, you didn't even mention that he has 12 kids, a failed fifth marriage and all the rest. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. We officially suck balls according to one person um, in Australia.
0: Just just want to fact check, uh, Elon has 11 kids and I think he's had uh, two failed marriages. Uh, one failed twice though. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, so take that back and,
2: and smoke it. But you know, you look at it, that, that's one person's perspective and, and you've got to look at um, who, who said it, uh, what they're actually saying and, and who this, this podcast is appealing to. And I, I can't imagine that person... Uh, you know, whatever and follow you in follow of you and your carpool coaching, wouldn't much get much out of this podcast. But, you know, he's not the ideal avatar. So, um, you know, if you look at the website, it's, it tells, it's pretty clear what Unemployable is about. And it's not about having a slinging match. If you want to, you know, go to some right wing craziness, go to Foxtel and watch Paul Murray. Like, that's not this show. <laughs> so, you know, um, while, while some of the points might have been, you know, on, on, uh, on point there, but, you know... Um, having another political show where you're just ripping on one party to another, I mean, I probably wouldn't be here if that's what the nature of the show was going to be about. Yeah. I, I, he, I, go
0: ahead. He, he was so well-versed on everything that we spoke about, though, so he actually took the time to watch the entire show. Yeah. And I think that, that was incredible. So there's, there's still obviously a need for people to discuss these kind of topics. He just wants it in a different way. And, and that's very And he cares
1: enough to write, you know, like As yeah, yeah. great. And it, look, the, you know, the difference between mainstream media that has been built on the back of Rupert Murdoch and conflict and drama and all of that. If you look at the podcasting world, um, some of the biggest pods in the world, like, you know, Andrew Huberman, it's just directly down the camera. There is no conflict. It's all just straight, solid education and information. You look at Um, many of the big shows they come Lex Friedman Mm -hmm. you know just quality content so it's a different format but I look guys we appreciate all feedback we will listen some of it we'll put in the circular filing cabinet but we will listen we're we're interested to hear um, and I think uh, it's good so what did you think of it Eric did you have a laugh
3: I actually had a laugh but at the same time I think there's some relevance there Mm. you know with people needing to know a little bit more about us obviously we've done one episode and touched on you know Uh, each other's past a little bit, but nowhere near enough. So I think there's some relevance in that at the same time. But um, after uh, reading that, when you sent that to me, I got a bit upset and a bit sad, so... I oh, Eric, you yeah. okay there, mate? Oh. No, I just went straight to OnlyFans. Made <laughs> yeah. me feel a lot but, better. But you, if you go through the on the first step and the
2: second step in there, um, and have a look at the the, the flip side, that was one against a, a army of other positive comments. Uh, oh, totally. That, that actually did. It's not just about oh, well done, guys. That actually did pull out specific parts of those pods and go that resonated with me. I want to hear more about that. So it wasn't just, uh, oh, you know, you know, as I said, pat the back, boys. It was actually something of
1: value that people took away and could put practically into their unemployable lifestyle. So, so a big thank you for all of those, the, the, you that did drop a comment. And please do drop comments below these YouTube videos if that's where you're watching it. Let us know your thoughts. And, uh, you know, we're seeking to build a community, Mark.
0: I was going to say, I've been telling everyone how much I want a cyber truck, a bulletproof cyber truck. And I think now I know why it needs to be bulletproof. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: So let's let's dump in this first story because, um, you know, OnlyFans is a really interesting... You know, look, I've got to admit, when I thought of OnlyFans, uh, I had... Uh, prior to doing this research, uh, the completely wrong idea, actually, of what... Not completely wrong, but I, I was certainly surprised by what I saw. Um, and I'm going to get your take in a minute, but I'll just tee this up a little bit for the audience um, as as to... Uh, Partly why we're doing this, because I think it's culturally relevant at the moment and it and it helps us sort of older generation understand the younger generation a little bit more. Um, but there's no doubt the world is changing. This story that um, came out this week with Iggy Azalea, um, who is the Australian uh, rapper, she had that one big hit. I'm not going to attempt to sing it, but, um, you know, it was real catchy, something about being a boss or something. She went on to OnlyFans and reportedly earned 48 million US dollars Uh, on OnlyFans in her first 12 months on the platform, which is pretty staggering. So we had a look at that article and we then jumped over and had a look at another article, Greg, that you might bring up quickly, um, which was on Business Insider. And we were just trying to do a little digging uh, to find out how big is this OnlyFans, OnlyFans platform today. And as you can see here, OnlyFans users spent more than $5 billion last year as the number of creators surged 47% in a year, 47% in a single year, which is pretty insane numbers for any business at all. Um, and it's up, uh, what, what's the uh, number of creators was 3.2 million in 2022, up to uh, 2.0, uh, sorry, uh, no, t- 3.2 million in 2022, Uh, Up from 2.2 in 2021, so a massive, massive increase in this business. So, um, boys, you know, uh, I'm going to get your feedback. Just a couple more things I want to mention. What we found really interesting is that this now is a legitimate industry. Like we Googled uh, OnlyFans agencies because uh, these this talent, most of the talent that's doing well now actually has representation. They have agencies that are. Um, running their only fans for them, um, all the back end stuff. And there's this whole industry of what we call chatters. Um, and I'll just tell you a little bit about, about what chatters are. So chatters, for those of you watching, uh, are people that engage uh, in, the, in the messages, the direct messages that the girls or the guys um, have on the platform. And uh, they, so this is where a lot of the money is made, is in the back and forward in the chatting. And uh, so there's, there's whole agencies that manage all that chatting and all of that stuff, which is really, really interesting. We're also going to dive into, in this section, the dark side of this as well, which is quite concerning. So, um, you know, we, of course, uh, wanted to buy locals, so we jumped into OnlyFans and subscribed to Iggy Azalea's uh, OnlyFans. We'll show you around there in a minute. But what were your first impressions, guys, when you jumped into OnlyFans um for the first time and had a look around what was your first uh take on what you saw yeah look it was um you know a relatively simple platform to
2: use um and and navigate around could understand it was very cl- crisp and clear And i think that's uh, one of the selling points with any SaaS is, is how easy is it to use um and from a uh, buyer's perspective and i'm sure it's not too hard from a a content creators perspective either but you know as we've all just discussed this morning um one thing they've, they've got blocked in there which was rather alarming and there's no search function um at all so you can't go and search for any individual account uh and have it show up like we tried to search tiger uh, a few of the larger name accounts nothing came up which is a bit perplexing to think mm, okay and the reason for that if you dig a little deeper um you know about con- content se- sensitivity discretion etc um and the user choice so it, it, this little dovetails into the, the agency model as well, is because this is all private promotion. In other words, the platform will not spit you up at the top of the algorithm. Uh, if you want to get promoted on here, you've got to have a uh, content strategy of your own and bring in the traffic from external sources. So in one way, it's quite smart. Um, as we can't search, if you want to know of a creator, they've got to do that by their own marketing skill set. Instagram and yeah, everything you've got else it. they're doing and, out and so there. Those agencies, um, you know, ch- chatter, obviously, the lo- lowest common denominator, but, you know, the clearest, whoever's got the best marketing model will win. Um, mm-hmm. And to that point, we're at the boxing the other night with a friend, I won't mention names, and their son is one, has actually started one of his own agencies. They're pulling 30 to 40 grand a week as 20 year old kids, kids to us, promoting OnlyFans talent. And as we worked out now, I'm um, just looking at this now, it's not doing their internal chatter, it's not doing their internal um, uh, um, how, to, well, some of it's how to talk to camera, but it's how they're driving traffic to that creator's um, profile, which I found quite interesting. And here's the reasoning why, mm. is there's no internal promotion.
1: But the chatting is a huge part of it, right? Like sure. actually engaging and selling the other things that the girls have. And in a minute, we'll bring it up. For me, one of the things that really struck me was when I signed up for Iggy Azalea's account, I actually had her Instagram open on my phone and of course OnlyFans open on the computer and the content that was available for the 25 US dollars, I think it was a month, was very much the same. Iggy is not, she literally says, in fact, Greg, have you got it open there? Um, If you go, I don't know if we can show this, but it actually says in her chat, when you go to the chat, uh, it, it basically says that, you know, I don't, um uh do full nudes. Uh I don't show uh, particular things. So it's it's kind of got the rules at the start there, right? There there it is there. Um that you know the stuff that you're looking for is in the DMs, but there's I'm not gonna publish anything on here more than just boobs and bums, basically. And if you want more than that, you've got to hit me up in the DMs. So really people are paying, in her case, $25 a month just for the opportunity to get in the DMs. And that's where I imagine the chatters kick in which are sort of like farms of, like if you go to Upwork uh, Fiverr.com, which is a sort of a, an outsourcing website that does stuff like, um, you know, YouTube thumbnails. It's like an Upwork, or it's a, a site for all kinds of little digital jobs. There's a whole section dedicated, as you can see here, to uh, if you want to get OnlyFans chatters, people to manage your DMs and chat in OnlyFans. So it was quite interesting that that there's. They're they're not really showing anything. A lot of these girls in that area.
0: It's it's wild. Like you've all, everyone's heard the OnlyFans joke or the punchline of the joke, and someone uses OnlyFans, and you expect to go on there and just see all this nudity and whatever. But there's people, there's ladies doing cooking classes, and there's all kinds of like interesting things that are showing up in the feeds. But yeah, it, it's. It. It, it, it's a, like a distribution platform. It's, it's
1: well, that's what got my attention as well. Like when I was reading about Iggy and why she jumped on, I saw a, a, an article that she was saying, "Look, I, I had a misconception about OnlyFans, and it's a place where I can actually uh, do creative uh, work." And they are, and I'm like, "Really? Like, isn't it just straight porn?" But when when you go into the main feed, um, which is full of OnlyFans created content, they have podcasts. They have cooking shows. They have um, long-form content where the stars, the OnlyFans stars, like the cooking shows on there, are arguably quite similar to like MasterChef in terms of quality. They're not that far off, except all the stars are OnlyFans creators. Mm. And then underneath the show, it's got links to their accounts. And I found this part fascinating because unlike like our generation, if you wanted that kind of content, there was just porn, right? Like there was... You go to a website and it's straight into it, you know. Whereas here, they're actually, in many ways, humanising and not objectifying the talent. Yep. You're, you're getting to know these girls and guys through content that we're normally seeing on mainstream media. So you're watching a porn star cook pumpkin muffins. And it's interesting because you don't see that side of them normally. And in many ways, I thought, you know, this is actually maybe be a lot healthier because they're not objectifying the talent in the way that mm. the, the generation before. And I can see why if you've just watched a piece of content that the brain is thinking, this is MasterChef, but now the chick is texting me in the DMs and offering me other things, how compelling that is, um, especially to somebody lonely. Mm. Um, and, I, and it's kind of interesting. I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. But what did you feel, Eric, when you looked at that Yourself did you have any thoughts on that
3: like when I was first searching in only fans? I just couldn't believe again the videos of them, you know cooking and different things and Honestly, I've learned now to make a shit hot gingerbread house <laughs> <laughs> And I just want to thank Mercedes for that honestly. <laughs> But to be honest now, I know why a lot of them promote on other channels like Instagram and other social platforms, because you can't actually search them, like James said. Mm -hmm. And I was driving on the M1, this is a few weeks ago, coming back down to watch the Tim Zoo fight on the Gold Coast, and I seen this bright yellow Dodge Ram. And the first thing I thought of, I'm like, who the hell would drive a bright yellow Dodge Ram? And the license plate was rammed. Then as I drove up closer to the... um, to the Dodge Ram on the side of it on the side of the Dodge Ram said watch me get rammed in a QR code OnlyFans so obviously it's an OnlyFans creator that's driving this thing and it's a very unique way of promoting right because again if you know who they are you can't just go there and search them you know you'll have to go through their Instagram and you know this is what I show on Instagram mm -hmm. as a lot of them say because I know a couple of them a couple of them are you know acquaintances as an example um, that are on, on OnlyFans. And on their Instagram, they have their Instagram, but then they have links going, you know, if you want to see more racy content, click here, and then takes them to the OnlyFans. And I guess that's one of the ways that they'll...
1: It's the emotional the connection, right? Because it's social media, so you are socializing on Instagram, and you know this person, which brings a completely different, well, you feel like you know this person, it brings a completely different layer of intimacy to the, to the content. It's funny you talked about the um, amount of creators and what they call um, not safe for work. In other words, the,
2: the tits and ass sort of model is that um, it's 70% of the, the, um, the uh, creators are uh, NF, NSFW, as they call it, which leaves 30% who are not. And I believe that number from the, the stats I was looking at is increasing. So, you know, when OnlyFans came out and yes, sex sells, they cornered the market with, with um, you know, from the but pornography if you will or a lighter version of it they're now certainly leaning into the the non-porn version or the the safe for work environment as well so that market's growing so well done to them yeah. uh, because that's a you know 30 is not in the sneeze at uh, and again if you have that uh, instagram um uh, you know semi personal touch to it to them you know, at, at, at reacting to your stuff and you can buy dms and give them tips and whatnot it's uh, going to become a big playground for the uh, non-porn side of it as well
0: so it seems like there was a big push to clean it up in 2021. They had pressure from outside investors or bankers to, to try and clean it up. Um, I mean, I don't know the stats behind this, but I would imagine on sites like Pornhub or whatever else that the the owners of the site are making all the, the profit from, from the uh, people spending time on the website. But uh, just seeing the way OnlyFans works, it was like they could upsell you a, a photo for $5 or they could upsell you a subscription for $25. So... It, it seems like it's you know it's I guess it's rewarding the creator for putting themselves out there and I guess that's that's got to be positive in a way as well.
1: Yeah, I mean that 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 was my experience. We all subscribed to these because when you go into OnlyFans and 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 Greg will throw some um, some B-roll here. I'm I'm sure over the top of inside the platform. We have to blur some of it out because uh, particularly the paid content because you have to pay and we have to respect the artist for that. But when you go to a free subscription, what was really interesting was almost immediately that you subscribe. Did you? I don't know if you guys had this experience. You get a DM from the creator. Now it's very much probably not the creator. Yeah. It's um, it's a it's a team that are working in behind an agency, and I believe the agency splits range from fifty to seventy percent going to the agency.
0: Oh wow! Okay. Um,
1: but they're running all that bot, all the bot, and not the bots, but all the people that are engaging, I assume, probably mostly men in dialogue and conversation and upselling them into photos and videos and personalized videos and all these things. But the immediate moment that I opted in, you see in the DMs, hey, thanks for subscribing. Click here to see a photo, $6 or, you know, you've got some of them up here. Um, what, ex- what was your experience? Was it the same with the 68 people that you subscribed to, Mark? <laughs> oh, I just thought this, this, is, this is pretty
0: wild. Like, it, it, it just seems like a massive, massive industry is building building around this. But, um, you know, I question if it's, if it's the best way for young men to be spending their time. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit more in a minute. But, yeah, it was pretty wild. I had no idea that it was, it was so um, monetised and, and so systematic like it was. But I guess that's it's where those business. big numbers are coming from. Yeah,
1: it's a business. I mean, you can't really, I mean, what what are your thoughts on it for the girls? Like that uh, it's pretty hard to put that genie back in the bottle when you can go work at Woolies for 20 bucks an hour, or you can do OnlyFans and, and make 20 bucks a second.
0: Oh, I bumped into my old landlord and I said, oh, how's things going? Have you got a new tenant and whatever? He's going, oh yeah, just got a new girl and she's uh, she does OnlyFans. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. She's like, yeah, as long, as long as she pays the bills, like it's, I think it's becoming more socially acceptable as well. Yeah, not only that it's the, the secondary market that's created as well with the chatters but also with these
2: agencies i mean who would have thought you got professional agencies agencies and as we said to quote back to our mate sam um, he's pulling 30 40 grand a week as an as an agency as Working an agency line, they've got two staff i mean that's nothing to sneeze at it's it's that's freight. that's 2 million bucks a year they're pulling in that thing they
1: reckon they can maximize a 100 grand a week they have teams of chatters though that they that, that, that they manage yeah, yeah for so sure. the chatters are trained in and and this is kind of where it gets a little bit gray and it might be a good moment just to have a look at this mm. the dark side of this before we sort of mm. deconstruct and i'm going to ask you some questions you might want to think about one of them is going to be would you date an only fans girl or what would you do if you found out your partner was on OnlyFans? We'll come back to your thoughts on that in a minute. Um, at, at some point in the past, you know, uh, I have my answer because my wife asked me this question. Because, <laughs> you know, during the week I said to the boys, here's the OnlyFans login. You know, uh, I would recommend that you uh, let your wives know before you jump in. James doesn't have to worry about that. Remember, girls, if you're single and looking for somebody good, James is available. Yeah. Um, and, we'll a, a, and we'll have an OnlyFans channel very shortly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you've got to advertise. Pay to play. Pay to play. You've got to advertise that, um, you know, I, I said to the boys, you know, get get clearance on your wife, but my wife did actually ask me that question, like, what if I told you that I used to have an OnlyFans? No, she didn't, but, what, what you know, and I'll tell you the answer to that after we watch this clip, because I want to, you know, it's very easy, uh, I think, to sometimes take it lightly, And that, but, but like all these things, when you attract a lot of money um, into a space, you attract all kinds, and of course, the most high profile of all of them when it comes to girls on cams in recent times is none other than Andrew Tate. And this isn't that long ago. I was surprised because I thought this clip... I knew Andrew had a very dark past and I've watched some of his old clips way back in the day. This isn't that old and it's pretty hard to watch and I find it almost impossible to defend him after seeing this. But let's watch this because he talks about... um, Well, he... (laughs) i'll just let him do the talking
4: another thing i learned from doing this business i learned something about women is that they are intrinsically i don't want to use the word lazy but i will they they have no they have no interest in world conquest they want to be comfortable if you show a woman how to make a thousand dollars an hour she'll think i can work a thousand i can work two hours a week if you show a man how to make thousand dollars an hour, he'll think I can make eighteen thousand dollars a day. <laughs> we want to conquer the world. Oh, we want yeah. all of it. We We're want wise. all of it. No, not to cut you off, but I agree all, with that completely. Yeah. And OnlyFans has proven that. It's proven it. They, they're lazy about it. They're yeah. like, "Give me enough for food and rent. Can't be bothered. Lazy. They're 100%. lazy. Yep. So uh, we didn't have time for lazy, right? So <laughs> I was like, "No, we ain't got time for that. We gotta make all of the money. But we made this much today. Not enough. There's more money in the world. It's ours. All of it's ours. I got to the point where I was so obsessed with it, I'd be sleeping in bed because the chicks would sleep with me, one each side. I'd wake up to go piss. And when I, by the time I finished pissing, I was awake enough to say, all right, two hours sleep, that's enough, get up. Back, back to work. We're gonna fucking kill it. So me and these two chicks, and they were about it, right? Because they're getting money as well. Me and these two chicks, we, started, we just started fucking hammering the webcam game. Problem is another thing I knew, when I talk about what women don't find, that, men, that women don't know what men find attractive, the earlier on this podcast, everything I said, the, po- the webcam company I was running proved that per- perfectly. The women who were on stream were beautiful but they didn't have a fucking clue what to say. They were saying all the wrong shit, man. Every day they were saying the wrong shit and we were losing customers. Everything I was telling you earlier about wanting to be innocent, they're saying, "Oh, love, I've been here, I've been there." I'm like, "Shut the fuck up!" You're talking to some dude. You just want to hear who you've been. He knows you can't be a halt. Ho- you can't be a ten talking about the, how you've been to Dubai with, to to some fucking dude in Minnesota who's fat. He ain't gonna ever believe that he's gonna get you that way. You gotta, you got, you got to lie to him. You got to lie to him. She's like, lie and say what? Say that you've never been anywhere because you don't trust men. You can't find a man who's serious. Make him think that if he's serious about you, that nothing else matters. Wow, you gotta put a famoose on it. So I'm trying to teach these women and the women kept fucking it up. So I said to, said to them, it's like, you know what, fuck it. I'm taking over. So what I did is I unplugged their keyboards and plugged a new one in from me behind the screen. So the chicks would sit there and hit a keyboard that wasn't plugged in. And me and my brother, and eventually some staff I trained, would do all the talking. The girls were just pure, just famoosers, just laughing and doing this. Their titties out and they were talking to fucking ice cold hustlers. We were taking their money, all of it. They, they'd come and say, <laughs> what kind of, all of it. We are fucking milking them dry. Women haven't got a clue how to famous dude. They don't have, cause they rely on their looks. They don't have any of the intellect. They have no game. Nothing. There's, some, though. There's, There's nothing. There's
3: nothing. Nah.
4: You get you get a man. You get a man with game, and give him a female's body, a female avatar. We you will fuck a guy up. I had these guys selling their houses, life savings, loans, all of it to me. Give me it all. So like, and it's it's basic shit,
1: right? You'd have Did a you guy. Feel bad or no? Fuck no. To give a solitary fuck. All right, you can stop it there. Did <laughs> you tell, like, so that is horrendous to watch and. Oh, I, as a guy, I feel pretty bad. But it shows both sides of this, you know, that, that the guys are being fleeced by dudes as well and pretty bad dudes at that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to watch. What did you think when you guys saw that? Yeah, well, firstly, uh, Tate, I watched some of your stuff over the time and, and uh, that's
2: the end of it uh, for me. That, that was um, a, a step too far. I didn't quite realise how far they went with... Um, you know, fleecing guys, as he said, all of it. So there's that that part of it. But,
1: yeah. And his views on the women, too. Totally. Um, I think th- it's hugely mis- misguided. Both the misogynistic part, but then the um, just the seediness of the,
2: the way they've gone about extort, especially, especially well, emotionally extorting people.
1: Vulnerable, um, lonely people. Vulnerable, lonely people, yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Not yeah, a I've, fan.
0: I've, ne- I've never really been a fan of Andrew Tate. I've always thought that he's probably more toxic to the world than he is good. I think that the reason that someone like Andrew Tate has risen to such prominence is because the opposite end of the spectrum is going so far. Men are becoming a little bit more uh, unsure of their roles in society because of all the um, the things that you hear on the news and, you know, know, things like political correctness, feminism, uh, social justice, modern dating and relationships, body positivity and fitness. Like, he's talking up about all these things, I think people are getting a little bit lost one way, and so he's rising up on the back of those things. And people are, you know, he's borderline funny sometimes. Like you listen to him, he is Take funny the sometimes. piss out of haters, and you're like, this guy's actually funny. He's witty, he's smart. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think.
1: And his, I mean, his new, his new message to the world is, I empower young men, get them to the gym, and all that. And you can't not, it's very hard not to agree with his m- new stuff now that he's super rich. <laughs> But his past is kind of undeniably there. But I think that I mean that I think for proper I think there's OnlyFans creators that are disappointed to see that because I don't think that's representative of the entire platform in mm. any way as well. Um, so it's it's just important that we don't sort of I mean I thought you know it's easy to just get polarized by someone like Andrew and go that's the whole industry. Um,
3: I mean he's obviously selling you know through controversy. Yeah, it's you, you can see that, but. Uh... In my view, it's quite disgusting the way he comes across. You know, him just—he looked like an evil character. You know, I, t- I took all their money. They, you know, they're Literally taking it looks out like loans. A, it looks you know, like Satan, right? they're selling houses. <laughs> you know, did you feel bad? No, not at all. Like that's that's sociopathic kind of behavior, Vesp. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's odd, but at the same time, you know, there's there's very very lonely people out there that uh, you know are on the the back end of this and thinking that. You know, it's really that woman on the other side, and um, I I did uh, a little bit of research in a men's health magazine article that came out, and they were asking why are people, you know, men specifically, obviously, are using OnlyFans, and they were saying things like, you know, I want the money to go directly to the producer, to the creators, not sleazy porn producers. I found that. I interesting find that quite interesting. Right. So they're cutting out the middleman.
1: Do you believe that? <laughs> they're just like Honestly, virtue signaling. No. It's all yeah.
3: about the girls. Honestly, <laughs> like I mean OnlyFans takes twenty percent, right? That's that's it's yeah. how it works. You know, they keep eighty percent and twenty percent. To be honest with you, I don't think that's that's bad for the creator. I think it's yeah, gonna be definitely. like booking.com and Airbnb in the future, and I think those commission rates will increase. And I did some calculations. On what that increase would be, and just an increase of five percent would add about 150 million dollars to the <laughs> bottom line, you know, which is which is big numbers. But then um, another comment was, if you consume it and can afford it, consider directly paying for it, which I found quite interesting. But my favorite one out of them all <laughs> was uh, they also mentioned things like the personalization of OnlyFans. And one to one interaction. Because obviously, it makes a lonely person feel good, right? If they're not being spoken to by many people throughout the day. And one guy said, um, as an example, there are zero videos on Pornhub of a woman screaming the name Obadiah. So obviously, they're filling a niche. They're filling a niche, right? And I just want to say that's interesting and thank you. For your comments, all <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what
0: what what do you think? What do you think about this being such a, a big growing trend and you know young men, boys um, spending more time engaging with women or the, the opposite sex for that matter? There's there's men on OnlyFans as well and and whatnot. Do you, what do you think of that as as an issue? Do you th- do you think it's going to create an issue moving forward as well?
3: I think it will create an issue, but at the same time, I think to myself you know, you might as well get it done now because in the future, you're probably going to be speaking to a robot. Mm. You know, that that's that's the reality. It's not going to be a chatter anymore. It's not going to be a real person, even though it's probably some guy in, you know, Africa or in India that's that's you're chatting with. But at the same time, it's that's where we're heading, I think, you know. But yeah. what do you do? Do you go and, you know, get your hit on a porn site, as an example, if that's what you're looking for? Or do you go and try and get a little bit more deep and meaningful connection like i did some research on average time and average time on the site on only fans was five minutes and 15 seconds which i was very very surprised about you know obviously james skews that number a little bit but over overall <laughs> down, I thought down pe- or up <laughs> <laughs> definitely down <laughs> so but i thought people would be on there for for longer you know
0: I just think if, if more and more... And there, there is obviously a problem with loneliness and, and since COVID that's probably been compounded and whatnot. But I think if more and more users are starting to use these platforms, then in the real world, call it, I think less and less men would be approaching beautiful women and saying hello. So I just think there's probably a real opportunity to be a purple cow out in person and go up to women and say hello because they're probably getting less people saying hello to them these days because everyone's just you know, heading online
1: yeah. when they're lonely. Greg, I'd be interested in your take because for those who don't know Greg, Greg's our producer behind the camera back there. And, uh, you know, he's he's a little younger than us. And, and in his circle of influence, you know, you're a photographer outside of here and you do, um, you know, know some of these creators and women. What's their take? Like, how are they feeling? I mean, obviously they have an opinion about Andrew Tate, but what is their view on being an OnlyFans creator?
5: Yeah, it's pretty wild sitting there listening to Andrew Tate Brag about emotionally extorting and manipulating vulnerable men when that's the exact thing that his fan base and a majority of men who hate OnlyFans and OnlyFans creators—that's uh, what they accuse OnlyFans creators of doing. And they sit there and say that oh, you know, these women don't have any skills; they don't put, in, you know, have to put any the effort. They just sit there and take the easy route and you know, uh, just rake in money from you know vulnerable and desperate men, which is just a complete false narrative. And I think a lot of that is actually driven by people like, um, first of all, Andrew Tate, but Iggy Azalea come and, and celebrities that have huge names coming onto the platform, um, and making insane amounts of money because they already have millions of followers and things like that. Uh, so their fans come over and they're like, Oh wow, I can see her naked whatever. And they pay $25, a month or what-have-you and they sit there and they get, you know Barely more than they're getting on Instagram and they get really jaded and upset about the platform and go. Oh, this is this is ridiculous I mean Realistically on this platform unless you're in the top like three to one percent um, Or above you are not making even enough money to live full-time um, like solely off of only fan uh, Only fans content creation um, so, first of all, I mean, a lot of the women that are, are below the 5%, which is, again, a much a vast majority, they are doing all the messaging and stuff like that themselves because they don't have the funds to sit there and outsource. And the people that are outsourcing that type of stuff is solely because they, they literally can't handle by themselves the amount of messages that they get. They're getting thousands of messages a day of people requesting things and stuff like that. Um, so, it, it's just like not manageable they're not sitting here like andrew tate being like oh, i'm gonna take this guy for all that he's worth and things like that that's such a, that's such a ridiculous and like sociopathic view to take so the fact that he's taking it and his fans are still defending him is so wild to me um but yeah i mean it's 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 pretty wild but like you were saying before adam i think only fans is just generally a better way to consume porn and it's a it's a more healthy way to do so. I mean, like you said, you know, you get on here and you get to talk to these women and you get to uh, see what they're like beyond just like going onto Pornhub and watching these free clips and getting them, just watching them get railed. And then it's like, oh yeah, they're just viewed as a sexual object. Here, you get to see them doing real things. There's girls on there that their whole niches, they don't even, you know, do any porn based stuff. They just sit there. Naked and like clean houses and things like that. Like there's so many niches on the platform that are just so much more healthy and are, are such a better way for young men to consume porn and get their rocks off without it just being like, oh, here's a girl, watch her get run on, like a train run on her by like six guys and stuff like that. Like, it's just a very unrealistic and unhealthy view of sex. I think if you're a young person, you know, new to, that area um and then there's the whole take like you were saying before eric um which adam made a joke about uh you know is that the real viewpoint of people but i actually do share that viewpoint and that's you know i think it's so much better to be uh paying these creators directly Uh, a lot of these women are on here because you know maybe they have dabbled in the porn space before and this is a way for them to take control of their livelihood Um, And, you know, they are in control of everything. They get to put out the content that they want to put out. They get to say the things that they want to say. And it's just, it's really empowering, I think, for them um, to take that into their own hands. Because historically, the porn industry is just super toxic, super sleazy. Um, There's a lot of horror stories that I've heard personally from that space that just, they they make your skin crawl. So the, the, the fact that these women are allowed to take control of their creation and their content and their, you know, their, their sexual space is just, it's, there's not really many downsides, uh, to, uh, for it for me. So, um, yeah, it is a deep and complex issue. Sure.
1: It's a lot, it's a lot more complex the more you think about it. Yeah. And it became like, I'm going to just circle back before we close this off and ask, ask the question to you guys, what would you do if you found out your wife or long-term partner, you used to have an OnlyFans before you, how would you feel about it? Because this is a real conversation I had with my wife and I'll tell you my answer in a minute, but I'd love to hear your feedback. Yeah. <laughs> now everyone's uh, like, oh I, shit, I don't I, want to I, say anything. I'm, single. I'm, I'm <laughs> single,
2: I'm probably gonna find my next girlfriend on there, so, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am mean, but I couldn't care less. You couldn't care less, what about you, mate?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not, I, I, I think it's all depending on the, con- the type of content that was put on there, um, but yeah, I mean I haven't thought about it. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't think it'd bother me too much, but yeah, I'm not
3: I think I'd be a little bit devastated depending on what content. Yeah. If it was just, you know, bikini shots or something, that would be fine, but yeah. if it was, you know, full blown, it would definitely have an impact. I I I, yeah. I would feel. Yeah, I think I think the the
2: point there is to what level. If it's uh, as Greg said before, um, if it's just a
1: you know, home alone, solution. home alone, no other partner with them on their own, yeah, doing and, and videos been... for guys and texting guys and photos for guys.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, again, if it's like not, not too
3: much more than their Instagram, you know, girls got to eat. I yeah. think the reality is, though, it is probably a little bit more than Instagram, right?
1: Like, oh, it is I'm, when you get into the DMs. I'm talking, you know, what's going yeah. on in the DMs, guys aren't paying for nothing, right? Like, uh, I'll tell you my answer, right? Like, when I lived in Los Angeles there's a lot of people there doing it tough, right? They're there for Hollywood and they're there to make it. And, you know, I had the privilege of going there with some skills as an entrepreneur and a business that started off pretty well. But I was very, very slow to judge people who were making ends meet in other ways because it's it's tough. It's their body. They're in a bedroom on their own. Um, they're safe. They're alone. And I and I I said to my wife, I said, look, Han, you know, like if you were – coming up and that was the best option available to you you had a young son like she did um and you were taking photos or doing that and it was all in the confines of your own house um and there was nobody else there i actually would i i don't really have a judgement about it because i think um yeah, it's their life, you know. I don't know, it's different, but but I it's, I think we should be slow to judge. You know, everybody's it, got different backgrounds and stuff.
0: Very true. And I guess it's, you know, better than some of the alternatives, like you said, the safety and comfort of their own home and, and things like that. Um, yeah, and, and I think like Greg was just saying, like a, a lot of these women are approaching it as a business and they're just trying to make a career out of it and get a start. So, you know, if they've gone into it with that mindset, um,
1: and with the bank they could pull down it's like pretty hard to say no you shouldn't do that it's it's a tough one
0: exactly why why shouldn't they be able to Hmm.
1: I see a gap in the market for uh,
3: financial coaches (laughs) OnlyFans creators (laughs) yeah honestly the money that these people are making right all they got to do is work a handful of years invest wisely they wouldn't have to work again a day, a day again in their lives,
1: and I'm sure at a certain level they do. That a lot of the really big ones would have money managers and agents and stuff anyway. But there you have it, guys. OnlyFans, uh, you know, interesting uh, world that we're living in. Um, it's certainly uh, opened our eyes, and uh, we will be unsubscribing. <laughs> Shortly. <laughs> well, I think we still got a month to go on Iggy, so let's just see how that goes. But, um,
3: I was going to say something, but I'm just going to keep it to myself. Yeah.
1: As we were joking off camera before, we said, I oh, remember if you say something too risky you can always edit it out or make reel. <laughs> so Let's change gears, talk about cryptocurrency. Uh, you know, a lot of you guys out there we know are side hustlers uh, trying to get stuff going. Uh, many of you probably have uh, bought cryptocurrency at some point in the past and maybe thinking about it again if you watch YouTube, which is chockers with cryptocurrency content. content. So we're gonna dive into this and uh, talk a little bit about, you know, it, you'd have to be sort of blind, not uh, starting to feel the ground rumbling again in that space. Everybody's talking about 2024 being the start of a significant bull run, certainly in the, in the Bitcoin uh, space and moving on. There's a few things happening. I will disclose I am a Bitcoin uh, owner and uh, a significant Bitcoin owner and uh, believer in it, but within a very specific use case. Um, Mark, you own crypto as well and yep. and yep. not just Bitcoin, you own a few other things? No, mainly,
0: mainly just Bitcoin. I have owned other things in the past and gone down those rabbit holes. Um, but this time, mainly just Bitcoin, um, yeah, have, have basically come up with a rule to allocate a percentage of net liquid wealth to Bitcoin and and so basically did that uh, about three, six months ago.
1: So, Yeah. And a lot of young people, uh, crypto represents a way to invest that uh, boomers didn't have coming up. Many boomers don't understand it at all. And they're obviously curious because they don't, they can't afford houses and so on. So it's interesting to them. James, do you own any crypto? Yes, I do. You do? Yep. Yeah. We'll talk to one of those in a moment yep. um, Your uh, experience. as well. Yep. Yeah. And you own some as well. I do. So we all own crypto. Okay. But it's all a small part of our overall pictures. Yeah. So for those of you, I'll just to give you a little bit of colour before we dive into the chat. Um, uh, there's a few things happening with Bitcoin at the start of 2024. Um, that's all sort of converging together. The, the, the big one, of course, is the halving. So for those of you who don't know what the Bitcoin halving is, Bitcoin is an algorithm that is programmatically set. So it's basically uh, a programmatic monetary policy as opposed to governmental policy with human beings that can um, you know be swayed or have motives such as getting elected again and human-controlled money presses with bitcoin it's not it is not centrally controlled the halving means that the algorithm will change and make it twice as difficult to earn a bitcoin through um through solving problems on computers that's how bitcoins are printed if you like it like money is printed on a press bitcoin is printed by computers solving problems Um, it's going to get twice as difficult, uh, consume twice as much energy to acquire Bitcoin. And that is the cost of it. It's called a proof of work network, meaning you get a coin when you can prove that you've done the work, which actually uses electricity and has a real cost associated with it. So the halving happens, uh, I think it's in April. That's the first one. The second one is the Bitcoin ETF. So uh, ETF stands for Exchange Traded Fund, and why this is important is because a lot of superannuation funds or big money managers uh, cannot buy Bitcoin because it is not in their mandate or charter to buy unlisted securities or investments of that kind. When it becomes a, an exchange traded fund, which is managed by the likes of Fidelity or BlackRock or any of these big money managers, like in an Australia, and AMP or something like that it means that these money managers of these super funds and these and big end of town uh, retirement funds of the police officers in america for example the 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 people responsible for those funds can go and buy into an etf which is direct exposure to the price of bitcoin so it's going to be an on ramp for an enormous amount of capital that's been sitting on the sidelines that would look at for example the last 12 months ago well bitcoin is the best performing asset in the last 12 months over Uh, the S&P over real estate's up 150% this year. Now, we're not saying that those ETFs, uh, sorry, those big money managers are going to allocate 20 or 30% of their fund, that they might allocate 0.5% of the billions of dollars they manage. This is collectively billions and billions of dollars that will be looking to acquire some exposure to the asset if the ETF is approved. So that's another huge, big um, uh, a milestone. And the other one this year is that the SEC, which is the equivalent of ASIC, I suppose, in Australia, the SEC, the Security Exchange Commission in the US, has been really proactive this year in cleaning out the major private, uh, uncontrollable um, sort of players in the crypto space, aka Sam Bankman-Fried, who was uh, head of FTX, who uh, was a fraud. And of course, uh, CZ, who was the head of uh, uh, coin it's gone Binance out uh, sorry Binance. Binance of course yeah so Binance so that he got fined tens of millions of dollars and has been put to the sidelines so now all the ducks are sort of aligned that um, you know these cowboys have been sort of checked and uh, everybody's sort of tipping that regulation is about to come into the space which is actually a good thing um, in order for big money to sort of come and play in the space so um, you know is are we looking at let's go to you first Mark are yeah. we looking at uh, the start of a bull run. Just to put it in perspective, Greg, just throw up on the screen there. Um, this is why I, I really want to have this discussion because for the inexperienced out there, um, you know, it's very easy to jump onto YouTube and look at headlines like these ones here, you know, like uh, must b- uh, buy before 2024, biggest bull market in history, um, the biggest crypto bull run, all these kinds of. Screaming headlines that these YouTubers use to uh, make you feel like you're about to miss the best thing since sliced bread, uh, otherwise called pumping. <laughs> um, and uh, I think we've all been victim to pumping yeah. in the past. But is it is it going to live up? <laughs> Sorry, James. <laughs> Eric Eric's still fans. Still Eric still with any fans? Okay, I we're talking about crypto now, boys. Um, so you know the, the, these Your... these. <laughs> these are uh, these pumping uh, schemes and scams. So, Mark, what are your thoughts? You know, is crypto going to come back strong in 2024 or is this a case of sell the news and get out now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got a few, a few thoughts on this. First of all, in relation to the altcoins, I mean, I think we've all been there. I've lost seven figures on altcoins in the, in the last cycle. And I think that's part of everyone's rite of passage when understanding financial markets to have the, that big loss. What and, is an altcoin? Uh, an altcoin is a, a coin that is not Bitcoin. So an alternative, alternative, to alternative coin to Bitcoin. Um, but I think I've said this in the past, I think Bitcoin largely is a forward looking macro indicator. So, when Bitcoin's rising, uh, people are voting that the economic picture is going to start to look a little bit better. And when Bitcoin is going down, I think they're voting that uh, the economic picture is going to start to look a little bit worse. So I'm trying not to get involved in the stories of the altcoins this time around, because I think, and I think we'll talk about this, a lot of the altcoins have, have been a bit of a grift. Uh, they don't really have a use case in the real world. Um, they're just narratives, right? Um, Whereas, and, and you know, some could argue that Bitcoin is part of that narrative as well, but I do think that there's some compelling things that show um, its correlation with uh, the business cycle. Um, maybe Greg can throw up the uh, article on the Bitcoin ETF war. So Bitwise, Bitwise just put out an ad, and I think you're gonna to start to see these big money managers start to promote um, the ability to buy Bitcoin. And that's going to be net very bullish for the space. I think when the gold ETFs were first announced, uh, the price of gold 10 x So I'm not saying that Bitcoin I is didn't gonna, know that. I'm not saying Can that... Can you Bit, repeat that? Uh, the price of gold actually 10 x when the um, gold ETFs were first announced.
1: And over what time, Mark? Do you know?
0: Uh, I'll have to go back and have a look at it. But it basically increased, you know, gold went from like a
5: whatever it was,
0: 100 billion to 1 trillion or whatever asset um, over that period of time. Um, But again, I think that it's going to run into the cycle. So if if the cycle does start to turn down, we we need to be a little bit careful. Um, Something else that's really interesting, and we might be able to throw it up on the screen is the non zero addresses of Bitcoin continue to keep rising. So even in the downward cycles, people are still starting to adopt more and more Bitcoin.
1: So you mean wallets that are, that are people who have got a digital wallet. For those of you who aren't familiar with this terminology, a digital wallet is an online wallet, yep. right? Or a, um, or a cold storage wallet. But yep. the number of addresses or places that people store Bitcoin, the amount of zero balance is the lowest it's ever been. There's more wallets with Bitcoin in it so than ever before.
0: Exactly. More and more people are opening a crypto wallet that allows them to hold Bitcoin. Mm. And it, that, that number has just steadily been increasing. So you know, that would be pretty positive for Bitcoin as well. So I think I think we might, but it's also worth exercising some caution because, you know, the, the price of Bitcoin has gone up over 100% year to date.
1: Any other comments? I
3: did a little bit of research in regards to the halving of, of Bitcoin. So in 2012 um, was the first and second halvings and initially one Bitcoin cost $12 at that time. Yeah and then it surged to 1200 which was an increase of about 10,000 percent and then you fast forward to 2016 which was the third having and bitcoin was around 650 and then after the event soared to 19,000 dollars per bitcoin which was a 2900 percent increase and then the last having which was in 2020 so it's every four years uh, the having um, the most recent one in 2020 Was an increase of 750% from 9,000 and it surged to 70,000. Obviously, we're not at 70,000 anymore, but
1: you're talking US dollars here. We're talking
3: US dollars, but as you can see, 2012, 2016, 2020, you know, then going to 24, you know, where is it going to go now? So
1: So there's been a lot of work done on that. And uh, so basically, what happens is as the asset has matured, the uh, the amount of growth so it's, statistically if you look at the data from the day of the halving the the it, it is usually has historically been the start of a bull run which peaks 18 months more or less after the halving event occurs um, and over the years as the asset becomes less risky uh, and and the the ups and downs are smoothing out the upside between the the halving and the the high, the all time high are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, if you look at uh, if you do all the math and you account for the diminishing um, returns, uh, and you were just to project forward, the best estimate's about one forty one fifty thousand per coin. If history repeats itself, taking into account uh, the diminishing returns on a percentage basis, so. From Mar- oh, March, April, eighteen months from now, if it was to repeat, it would peak at around that 140, 150 US a coin. And today, as we're talking, it's at about forty one. So that's where we are at the moment. Just mm. you know, looking at it that way.
0: Have you have you heard the school of thought that that halving cycle also aligns with the US political cycle? I haven't. No. And uh, and the debt refinancing cycle. So a lot of the um, the debt that the central banks uh, issue that refinances every three to five years, which aligns with a US political cycle. So I think the the school of thought is that just before an election, the person in power, obviously, or the party in power, wants to stay in power and so they start opening the spigots of, of financial liquidity. Now that's um, interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, very interesting. Which sort of highlights why people do want to own an asset like Bitcoin or what they call a hard asset that's outside of that Cycle exactly, um, for sure, James. Oh, just the, talking about crypto and uh, has it had its time in the
2: sun? Um, uh, especially with some of the altcoins, like Bitcoin is, you know, correct if I'm wrong. That you know, a store of wealth, it doesn't really have a utility. It doesn't do a great deal. It doesn't sh- sh- um, have any income, um, and you know, it's a you know as it originally was planned to do was to be able to, to transact. Well, no one's using it for a transaction purpose um, at any great scale. But talking about altcoins. Um, And yeah, most of them are a grift, tore up a few bit of money on myself, but um, if you look at, um, you know, with the advent of AI, um, and then look at some of these crypto, um, uh, this is the thing, the difference between, is it a a cryptocurrency or is it actually a security? Do they perform a service? What's the underlying utility behind them? If you look at the number one, second best, if not the the number one um, altcoin in 2023, it's Render. Uh, the render token has done a thousand percent this year bitcoin's done 150 ether's done 400 and it actually serves a real case in the um uh, for um, a decentralized platform for cpu cloud rendering solutions and uh, you know that this project was pre-metaverse so you wouldn't have even known about it. but um, And then obviously you've got AI. Except six years ago when I had a look at it, AI wasn't even a thing. Met- the metaverse wasn't a thing. Unfortunately, it's well positioned to offer decentralized um, GPU. So, so in
1: plain language, what does Render do?
2: It basically, uh, for the uh, metaverse, it's a, a huge amount of um, uh, GPU um, space is required. So any latent, uh, if you've got a computer at home effectively, and you're not using your GPU at the moment, you plug into the render network and it'll pull your power from your network and have a decentralised rendering uh, network. So which is huge for um, machine learning, AI, metaverse. And
1: you earn render tokens. Correct. If you participate and allow the latent time of your computer CPU to be used by the render network, and Correct. they then sell that. 100%. So there, there you have an end-to-end use case where there's money coming in for a commercial service that is then attributed to the token holders of Render. Absolutely. Okay, and, well, that makes sense. Yeah. But it's interesting what you're saying though about the advent of AI because that for me was a real seminal moment in my journey as a crypto person. Um, when AI came on the scene, it seemed like every single day there was an, um, another amazing use case for AI. Right, like my wife yesterday for the first time ever used Chat GPT, and um, she was like, Oh my god, this is amazing! How long has this been going on? I'm like, Honey, it's been going on for a minute. And I said, And then I said, Let me show you this, which was I use uh, for our podcast here. We use a thing called Cast Magic, which basically we put in the YouTube clip of our podcast and it writes 10 headlines, a LinkedIn post, an email to our database. Um, a a full description, time stamps, but it's all powered by ChatGPT. So when I saw AI come to the scene, I was like, you know, crypto, there's how many, 20,000 tokens or something? Very, very, very few of them have any actual, they've had plenty of time to actually convert and become useful for something, but they almost, none of them have. And when Ethereum, and now you, I, I'm putting this on record and I, I, you know, this is the thing about a podcast, right? You go on record, but when Ethereum, cause I used to own quite a bit, seven figures worth of Ethereum. When uh, DeFi went away, when you could, you could sort of get a yield on your Ethereum and when the NFT market went to the toilet where it still is, I was like, well, what's the use case for Ethereum? How does it get used? And so then I got rid of my Ethereum because I was like, I cannot see a, any, they've had years to, to actually have a use case. And I held Bitcoin for a very specific reason, which I'm happy to talk about, but Mark?
0: Well, it's, it's like, how many of the latest AI applications that you've seen have tokens? So the, I think-, the, I think uh, None? None, right? So no. I, I think the, the, question, the question is around the token element of these altcoins, whether the token is necessary or if it's just uh, an under the table way to raise capital That's
1: without triggering regulation, right? It totally is, Mark, in yeah. my opinion. It yes. is 100% a way of avoiding regulation of going through the regulatory rigour that ASIC or that, you know, the, the our government bodies require for retail investors to be protected from scams. At, and, at, and, and it's a way of saying, hey, we're, we're outside, it's, we're, it's a token, it's not a security or a share in a company. And, and it, I
0: think that's the thing that we need to be careful of when we're getting, uh, you know, uh, all enthralled with the latest altcoin as well, is that, If people are choosing this method to raise finance rather than going the traditional route, well, maybe some of their other practices could be morally questionable as well, right? Not to to cast that over everybody, but...
1: A vast majority, in my opinion, it's private entrepreneurs raising money for a fairly nebulous use case, very few of which have seen the light of day. And that's why I say to people, if you're going to invest in Solana, do you know who these people are? Do you know where your money is going and do you know where the revenue is going to come back from this thing? And the answer is always nearly and no.
0: The whole myth about decentralized and DeFi, most of these people have um, sources of power within those platforms that control most of the voting rights or most of the yeah. tokens. Yeah. So and It's mo- a bit of a myth.
2: And most of the people want to, you know, decentralised. you know, no one can have power or agency over our coin. Uh, they all loved that until they were ra- uh, shafted. Now they're all looking for the <laughs> looking for the uh, the, um, the regulators to come in and, and uh, avoid it happening again. So I agree.
1: And for me, I mean, the thing with Bitcoin that I particularly like, and this is not an endorsement. Get your own financial advice. But the, the reason I held Bitcoin is because I believe that there is a large, not large, there is a percentage of investors out there that want to store value outside of dollars. Mm listed securities and real estate. They want to have some money like in gold. Yeah. And I just think Bitcoin is a much better gold. There's, nobody knows how much gold there is in the world. You can't transport it, you can't transfer it. All the things you can, you know, with Bitcoin, you can transfer it. It's, it is exact, it is absolute. Um, and, and I look at gold and I look at the, the value of the gold market and I look at Bitcoin, it's only a fraction of what gold has been valued at. And I think it's a far superior solution for the modern age um, for that purpose. Um, So I think that's my sort of use case. And I think as the world changes and we see massive money printing and we see all this government mistrust and um, destabilization, there's gonna be an appetite for exposure to not a major exposure, but some exposure. And even some exposure for corporate balance sheets, major money managers is gonna dramatically increase price if we're correct on the thesis, because of the monetary policy of Bitcoin, I, I, th-
0: I think I think it can be clit- pretty clear at, at this point, based on 2008 and then COVID 2020, that the amount of money printing by central banks is going up and up and up. And what that basically leads to is currency debasement. So your dollar that uh, used to buy a loaf of bread now only buys half a loaf of bread. So effectively, by earning an income, you're getting poorer. Right? And so you have to own assets, right? like you see in Australia that the prices of properties keep rising as we print more and more money. So there is a, I think it's clear at this point that there's a di- direct correlation between asset prices rising and the amount of money that goes into the system. For me, the reason why I allocated a percentage of my net wealth or liquid net wealth to Bitcoin, so I think it was about 8% at the time, when, when I bought it, is because I think of all the hard assets that are going to rise in this environment based on this backdrop, Bitcoin is probably going to be the fastest horse because it's so accessible, because you can buy a dollar's worth. It's easier to buy than property. It's easier to buy than holding gold. So because of the techni- technology behind Bitcoin and its accessibility, transferability, ab- ability to port, to different countries and whatnot i think it'll be the fastest horse in that backdrop mm-hmm.
3: i just think people need to adjust their expectations you know everyone knows a friend of a friend that you know made tens of millions of dollars off bitcoin you know because they owned it when it was 12 dollars and went up to twelve thousand, dollars as an example mm-hmm. right and i think a lot of uneducated people that are getting into the market like you said there's more wallets than there ever has been and i think there's going to be a lot of ma's and pa's in there going hey let's invest in some bitcoin without." really doing the research and just jumping on the bandwagon i still think there's definitely growth in bitcoin i'm still investing in bitcoin but i don't think it's going to be one of those ones where you know you invest 100 grand in bitcoin and it's going to turn into 10 million dollars you know can you invest 100 grand into bitcoin and it can turn into 300 yeah maybe you know but it's not going to be these overnight successes of you know some of these altcoins as an example that are you know 12 cents or three cents then all of a sudden they go to you know, five bucks. Yeah, you can you can make a shit ton of money doing that, you know? Um, the reason why I invest in Bitcoin is because the scarcity around Bitcoin, there's only 21 million that are ever going to be produced. And to me, it's just like waterfront land, land on the beach. You can't make any more of it. And what's gonna happen is more, you know, the la- la- lack of supply and the increase on demand puts pressure on the price and prices go up. So um, I think you gotta realize who you are in the big scheme of things? Are you the person that's jumping on the bandwagon because cousin Billy bought it? Mm-hmm. Or are you a mark as an example that is well-researched in this topic and investing in coins that someone like me haven't even heard of, you know?
1: Michael Saylor puts it best. Those of you who don't know who Michael Saylor is, he's one of the largest Bitcoin holders in the world. He has a company called MicroStrategy. Just until recently, he was the longest serving CEO of a public company in the United States. Um, and he allocated MicroStrategy's uh, balance sheet and profits to Bitcoin. Uh, I think they hold about four billion dollars worth of Bitcoin today. But he says, you know, if you're interested in investing in this space, do a thousand hours yeah. of research. Um, don't don't do you know five minutes of discussion, half cut at a barbecue, and go and buy a coin. Right? That that's a surefire recipe to a failure, because a big part of this asset class is being able to hold through the volatility. Volatility is such a big part of this particular asset class. Um, And a great place to do that research is hope.com, which is owned by Michael Saylor. Um, And there's a lot of really good cerebral research uh, on uh, Bitcoin in particular. Uh, And then my advice is if you're gonna invest in an altcoin, um, I understand you're either speculating or you're treating it like a startup company where you would want to get to know the founders, the use case, mm. the, the business plan and all of that. Because in my mind, they are all outside of Bitcoin, they are all tech startups yeah, yeah. and should be approached as such. And tech startups are a phenomenal way to lose money. Um, you know, for every Amazon or Facebook, um, you know, there's many, many, many thousands of companies that failed along with everybody's money. A good comparison though of Bitcoin and you talking about the diminishing returns over time. I think Bitcoin, it, well, I don't think it, it is uh, still the highest performing asset over most timeframes uh, beyond a couple of years. Over four years, it's pretty much the best performing asset any four years um, in the world. Um, but uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Um, oh, the volatility. So you, you've got to be able to hold it through that, those volatile times, um, and holding is is such a, a key part of it in emotional management.
0: I think I think strategy is such an important part in any type of investing as well. And a lot of people kind of hear that their cousin or brother or friend or brother-in-law has made money on Bitcoin, and they just dive into it without doing the proper um, learning around you know investing strategy. And I think that that's really part of the important thing because. You know, it's like a lot of the big names that are buying Bitcoin buy it when it's going down. And, and they've trained that ability within themselves over many, many years to buy when the market's going down rather than doing the opposite.
1: Yeah, what I was going to say there before to that point was, uh, you know, Amazon, if you put $10,000 into Amazon's IPO when they went public... Uh, by 2020, that $10,000 would be $21 million, but only two people held that long, yeah. and that was Jeff Bezos and his wife at the time, Mackenzie. Um, and there were drawdowns, there were, I think there was eight drawdowns of over 70%, where the stock price dropped by more than 70%, and uh, three were dropped by 90% <laughs> in that time. So it's not dissimilar to a tech startup in that way. Uh, it's still a relatively young asset. I think it's 12 or 14 years old, something now. So um, interesting times. Uh, let's, is there anything else you want to add, guys, before we change gears into the last piece for today, which is this story which we wanted to cover, especially as we head into the Christmas uh, break. This is in the Australian Financial Review, an article by Ewan Black. Nearly half of Australians are chronically sick. Almost seven million Australians suffer from a long-term mental health condition, according to research that shows the prevalence of chronic health conditions has reached the highest level since records began. Based on responses from about 13,100 households, the National Health Survey by the Australian Bureau of Statistics found the share of Australians suffering from chronic mental or behavioural condition increased from 20.1% in 2017-18 to 26.1% last year. And this... um, I mean, this is obviously super, super alarming. Um, you know, mental health is. You know, I think kind of. I I, I wonder sometimes whether it's a case of better reporting uh, and recording these days. But I def I definitely think there is a case for that. Where you know, back in the day, uh, a lot of this stuff was going on, but we didn't have a label for it, and we didn't know how to report it. But I also believe that at the same time, there are there are factors such as social media and. Um, lack of connection with each other because we're all on OnlyFans (laughs) instead of actually at a bar hitting on a woman um, or a woman hitting on you, um, like the old-fashioned way, is causing loneliness and disconnection and all that stuff. Um, But I'd love to get your feedback on this because I think the downstream effects of this are pretty dire. You know, we have, um, you know, people uh, choosing not to continue into next year, um, uh, which is very sad. What are your thoughts when you hear this?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you just said about um, social media and, and I don't ever, you know, I'm always very cautious to blame social media and, and OnlyFans and things like that, but it, I think the trend towards isolation is definitely increasing. Um, I was reading an interesting article about, you know, people in Cambodia don't actually have a word for, for depression. Um, they've, they've got a word, but it, and I'm not going to try and um, pronounce it, but it literally means the water in my heart has fallen. So it is obvious that anxiety and depression, they're universal human emotions. I think what my opinion on it is that we've started to lose the remedy. And for me, the remedy is tribe, being surrounded with your family and friends, being surrounded by the people that love you to kind of pull you through those hard moments when the water in your heart has fallen, right? I think we're becoming a little bit detached from that. And I think that could be why the numbers are starting to increase.
2: Yeah, um, it's a thing now, you you can Google, it's called the loneliness um, epidemic where one in four um, uh, adult Americans, it's what the study's been based on, um, suffer from loneliness and it's um, some alarming stats there that, um, you know, poor social connection, 29% increase of heart disease, 32% increase of stroke, 50% increase of developing dementia for older people and um, and more than um, 60% um, uh, suffer from a premature death. I mean, and uh, the advent of social media, the the uh, COVID uh, pandemic, you know, is um it's a mixture for um,
1: um not a great outcome. Yeah, it's 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 partly why I do my poker nights, which are becoming yeah. quite famous here on the Gold Coast, is because, um, and why the guys who come to those nights always want to come back, and we have a waiting list now of people trying to come and play a game of poker because mm-hmm. it's just an opportunity. Um, to get the boys together and shoot the shit and and be men, not toxic men like what you see here, getting up to no good. But just just boys being boys, having a laugh, giving each other shit, you know. um, It's really, uh, so many guys, what's been interesting is the wives and the girlfriends talk to my wife because my wife is very instrumental in organising it all uh, and say, oh my God, I love it when my husband or boyfriend comes over to your place because he always comes home so charged and so positive. There's no topless waiters, waitresses and cocaine in the bedroom sort of stuff that the Gold Coast is kind of famous for. It's just good, Eric.
3: That's, <laughs> so, what,
1: that's, that's why I didn't go to the last one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's such a need for um, for that. And, 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 and I think if you're listening to this, um, it is really, uh, you know, the, As you're here now, think about somebody you can invite over for a barbie or or over for a beer. When was the last time you got invited to somebody's house for dinner these days? Yeah, Like, really think about that. Back in the day, that happened a lot. And people don't do a good job of that. Like, we've invited lots of people over to our place and very few invitations come back. Um, And so it's just, it's a lost social skill that that is very sad to lose. But I think, you know, you just got to sort of be the party starter if you can be and then you won't be lonely and... Um, Eric?
3: You know, I think with anxiety and depression, you know, you can't physically see it. Yeah. You know, you're sitting there talking to someone that looks perfectly normal and them telling you, I'm depressed or I'm anxious. I can't leave the house, you know, and it's hard to see at times, you know, it's this intangible thing. You know, when you got a broken leg, you see the broken leg, you know, and you had your shoulder surgery a few weeks ago, you can see. The pain that you're in you know it's very hard to see that pain and i think it's always been so taboo in the past like it's like they say now it ain't weak to speak you know but i think a lot of people still believe it is weak to speak and that's the unfortunate part to all this especially males Mm. i think females are a lot better than this than than have any of you
1: guys suffered from anxiety or depression or both Anxiety for yeah, sure. Both. Anxiety? Yeah. Both for sure. Both? Yeah. You've had struggles with depression as well? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think I think to, to Eric's point about not being able to see it, I think sometimes the last person to see it is the person themselves as well. You, I think sometimes you don't realise that you're having trouble sleeping because you're feeling a little bit anxious or depressed. I think I think there's a lot more people that are starting to get educated about their own feelings as well. Um uh, so, so, yeah, I think, I think noticing it in yourself, I think, is one of also the most important things because it creeps up. You know, it might start as just frustration or a couple of wake-ups in the middle of the night and then life events occur and it really triggers and builds. And that's been my experiences. And it's like, oh, where did that come from? But then when you, when you kind of go back and do the learnings and piece it all together, you realise that it was building over a period of time and you probably didn't recognise it. And then it turns into something that's a little bit more, you know, should I say stereotypical definition of anxiety and depression. Because I think it's important to remember that anxiety and depression is is healthy. It's a, in, a, in small, small dose... Look, depression's not healthy, but anxiety is a response that the body is creating to keep you safe. So in small doses, that stress can be uh, positive. But when we, when we you know... Um, Lose touch with how to deal with it, or lose touch with our tribes and and isolate. I think that's when it can really start to get out of control.
1: What did you do to to get through it? Like, do you have any um, anything that worked for you to deal with anxiety or depression?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think med- meditation has been great. Um, morning breath work and having a routine for me is really important. I think uh, a lot of the cause of of my anxiety was being in a responsive state. So when you're running a business, you're being an entrepreneur, there's always things that are getting thrown at you. And if you're being reactive to those things, they can kind of take control of you. And so starting my morning with a morning routine, my breath work, my training, I'm being proactive in choosing how to how to start the day. And so when things come at me, I feel like I can see them a little bit more clearly. So, James, James my... what about
2: you, any yeah shit tons of alcohol and valium no
0: <laughs>
2: straight to the club was that the triggering yeah. it or was that the healing yeah, it yeah probably both no but uh, yeah exactly exercise is um yeah, just getting up and getting active um in the minute you start moving you know, it's funny how the um the focus changes uh getting outside and uh, to the gym
1: and and diet yeah. um and i think general, diet's, gen- huge. General, diet's huge
2: eh? diet's huge
1: yeah so, um, Get off the alcohol as well. Alcohol is absolutely a depressant on its own. Don't give it any more. But it gives you massive anxiety as well. Alcohol um, just
2: absolutely thumps your heart, so it's no good for you. Yeah. Di- di-
0: diet's one of the last things that people will look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, there's a really good book on the role of, of diet and... Um, anxiety and depression being related to other metabolic disorders like diabetes and things like that Uh, it's called brain energy by chris palmer awesome book but diet is super important and a lot of people have intolerances as as well that are actually affecting the gut and the gut is linked with the brain and and it's all it's all it's all kind of linked
1: Mm, because i think exercise as well naturally leads to improved sleep so if you cut out you know improved diet and exercise it they all sort of work together like if you're having too much sugar too much caffeine not enough exercise that's just like a nuclear combination for bad sleep which then compounds to you wanting more of that bad stuff to compensate for what you're doing eric have you ever suffered with it or yeah
3: definitely yeah anxiety anxiety
1: Um, how did it manifest for you
3: uh just as a as a late teenager, really, I think. Uh, but mine's more situational anxiety. So mine's not anxiety from, you know, day-to-day stresses of work and entrepreneurship, to be honest with you. I think that actually helps me in a way. Mine's more situational. So, for instance, if I'm stuck in traffic and it's pissing down rain and I can't get out, I I, I start to panic, you know. I start to go, like, it's so for me, it's about control. So I'm, I'm a... Con- Fairly controlling person. Um, I like to be in control at all times. Hence, I don't drink alcohol. I don't do drugs. I don't smoke. I don't do any of that stuff for many, many, many years, because I sense that, you know, it's a. I'm not in control. You know, when you're intoxicated, someone's not in control. And it's funny because I talk to friends or family, and they say that's why I actually drink because I actually forget about everything else. You know, and it kind of relaxes me. Whereas it doesn't relax me you know and but it's being okay with saying it and it's being okay with communicating it the big thing that helps me is communication Um, my wife's very supportive and i know that all people uh, a lot of people don't have partners that are supportive and if that's not the case then you got to find someone that you can entrust whether that's a good friend you know whether it's, uh, you know, a social worker or a psychologist, you know, a lot of people see these things as taboo. But if you have no one to go to, and you're in your head, mm. you need to get it out. So for me, yes, exercise, yes, food, you know, yes, uh, avoiding alcohol. But at the same time, communication for me is number one, I always say it to my kids, I say it to my wife, I say it to my business partners, you know, communication is everything, you know, don't hold back. And I think what happens is we don't speak up enough. Mm. What about you, Adam? You've had your deliance with
2: um, anxiety over the period. Yes,
1: serious, serious um, anxiety. Mm. Uh, It hit me for the first time in Los Angeles. Uh, And it it was prolonged, what you talked about, Mark, prolonged uh, demands on my attention uh, because I was running three businesses. I was in a foreign country. I didn't have my network of mates. And I thought I was fine. I thought I was fine. I thought I was fine until I felt like I was having a heart attack out of the blue one day, and then the ambulance came uh, because one of my we went to get, we were going to get a coffee underneath my animation company on Hollywood Boulevard, and uh, I, I thought I was having a heart attack. And my my mouth went dry. My heart rate spiked, and I said, "Call an ambulance." And I was lying down in the garage floor. And then the fireys came in the truck, took me to the hospital and I got diagnosed with acute anxiety. And it persisted for months and months afterwards. And unlike you, um, it would come out of the clear blue sky. I remember when I got back to Australia, I was walking down the beach thinking, okay, I'm doing my exercise, beautiful Gold Coast morning, 7 a.m. And I would look up and see my apartment building down the beach and it would be 500 meters away. And this random thought would pop in my head, what if I don't make it? What, what if I t- can't get there, and I'd have a full-blown panic attack on the beach at seven o'clock in the morning? And your 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 thing about not being able to see it—people are walking by with their dogs—and I am freaking out. Like I'm thinking, I'm this is serious. And then I then then the next thing, the brain would go, "Oh, the sun's hot. Did I drink enough water before I left home? I might dehydrate. How am I going to get back to the house?" And and I actually had it at Ferry Road Markets here. I I went down to Ferry Road Markets to get a coffee one day. I'm walking along, everything's fine. And then this illogical thought says, nobody knows I'm here. What if something happens? This is the end of me. And I went into a full panic attack, like stumbling and went into the the optometry store and said, I need help, I need help. Can I lie down at the back of your... And they put me at the back where the optometry thing is and laid, laid me on the floor and called the ambos. And it persisted until I leveraged my life um, cut out certain things and c- coffee and different things and just got some um, counseling but you know I, and it took months to, to to go and thank God I don't have it now but uh, but I have dealt with it but I do want to say for anybody listening if it is you and you are having you know um, either anxiety or particularly depression I think Eric's um, words of wisdom are very very founded because uh, no, your friends and family want you here. You know, um, a very dear friend of mine. I, you know, I saw him in Sydney uh, three years ago. Uh, we had breakfast together at uh, Barangaroo with his wife, um, and then a week later, I was in Perth giving a talk. I picking the taxi, and he jumped off a building. You know, and. Um, you gotta talk about it you know so make sure you make it through Christmas you know be social guys you know uh, I, I think we're
3: the most connected we've ever been with these devices and I say it all the time yet we're the most disconnected we've yeah. ever been all at the same time and my wife is on to me all the time you know get off your phone you're on your phone mm-hmm. you know And a lot of it's work-based, but at times, there I am with my family, right, hanging out, and I'm in a rabbit hole. And then, and at times, I get upset. Leave me alone, you know, Mm -hmm. don't worry about it, but because I know she's right, you know, so we have to be careful. I remember, like Adam was saying, as a kid, tight-knit European family, the door was always open, We'd have people drop in all the time. Aunts, uncles, cousins bring food. Like, house is a mess. You look like shit. No one cares. Today, no one drops in. No one drops in. Yeah. You need you need a specific time six thirty on Thursday night. You can come for dinner, or come for a coffee, and the house needs to be clean. Pe- people are outraged right. if
0: someone drops in these days. Yeah, yeah. Now,
3: now, what are you Technique? some
1: kind of psycho? Yeah, Facebook,
3: you know, how, how dare you? I look like shit. My house isn't clean. You can't come in. It's and I think a lot of it has to do with these devices and yeah. social media because you never knew what someone else's house looked like. Yeah, you didn't know how good they could look. Now, to me, I see it and I, I say it, it's, it's a fugazi, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's this kind of fake world that we're living in. in.
0: Vamoose, what was he, what was Andrew Tate saying? It, right? Exactly,
3: yeah. So, um, but I think what we need to do is, like Adam said, Adam's very good at organizing and, and Cass is amazing and even even Jen and I we love it but we need to get better you know because we want to bring those roots back in especially for our kids and know that you know people can drop in we have we have good friends that live two doors down and their kids are the same age and we have open door policy they run in they come in they go into our fridge our kids go into their fridge they're dropping in i need to borrow this you got sugar and i love that and we're actually going to start building a house this year and we're gonna move from the area that we are in. And in the back of my mind, subconsciously, I'm like, it's not gonna be the same. Mm -hmm. You know, you're gonna have have this big, beautiful house, yes, but you're not gonna have, you know, hopefully we'll have some connection with neighbors, but it's gonna be hard to have the same connection we have with our neighbors now, because we're such, literally, the kids are best friends, and they're some of our best friends as well, you know? So I think we have to keep that in mind, especially during Christmas, this season it's it's as happy as it is it's very sad for a lot of people and i think what we need to do is remember you know who are those people in our lives that that might be and just reach out to them, you know and do you not, know don't people? send him a text you know give him a phone call give him a facetime you know I, I loved adam when i first met him we created a friendship you know he's the only guy that would ever video call or you know send a video message with a happy birthday I, no one has ever done that before you know
1: Jason and I always look at our circle of friends at this time of year and say, "Who do we know that might be on their own this Christmas?" And just send them a text saying, "We're thinking of you. If you're alone at Christmas, there's a seat at our table." Yeah. You know, um, because I don't think anyone should be alone at Christmas. It's, um, yeah. you know, just think about those people in your life that you love and and make sure don't don't assume that they know you love them. You know, and that they matter, because don't don't take people for granted. You know. It's a, it's a great topic, guys, and I appreciate your honesty on it. Um, but uh, if you're sitting there and you're lonely this Christmas, um, pick up the phone. Make contact with a human being uh, because uh, we need each other.
0: And, and I yep. would just say, don't wait till we're feeling lonely to pick up the phone. Let's yeah. make it a habit to pick up the phone more and talk to our mates and drop in on our mates because yeah. the best remedy for, for these kind of things is to prevent it from happening.
3: Yeah, I think back... You know, talking about OnlyFans and having, you know, some guy in Nigeria is the one that's messaging that person back, but that person thinks it's that girl. You know what? Let that person think it's that girl. Yeah. Because if it's making them happy and they don't know any other way, it's probably better than not having someone to talk to, to be honest. Yeah. You know?
1: Yep. Set our judgments aside. Have a little kumbaya here, guys. But <laughs> <laughs> guys, thank you for watching the pod. This is our last episode before the Christmas break. It has been uh, awesome so far. We've had a lot of fun doing it. Greg, thank you again for your outstanding producing back there. You, uh, Mark, James, and uh, Eric. It looks like you want to say something, James. No, 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 no really you're all good. good. Uh, thank you for your attention, guys. Drop a comment below. Let us know what your thoughts are on any of the stuff we uh, we uh, talked about today, and most of all. Um, uh, if you like the episode as we go into 2024, what would help us the most is if you simply like the video, subscribe because it'll help us get some guests here next year for you to uh, to, to learn from and uh, drop a comment and tell us how, uh, how it's affecting you and, and share the content, that's what we'd love. But like and subscribe, that's a, the, the only thing. And if you do that, we will do our best to make the show better and better and better. And uh, it's a lot of energy and time to think about what we're gonna talk about and planning and resource and so on. So um, we appreciate you. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great Christmas, and we'll see you on the flip side in 2024. Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas. Ain't nothing about this is luck. Boy, this ambition, nothing gets in our way. We on a clear mission. We making plans. We just trying to lift society. Working so hard that we're growing notoriety, and we born with the drive. Yeah, it's inside of. Me. Eric, Mark, and James, we giving game. They inspiring. Adam, clear with the vision. It's so deployable. You do what you want when you live in life. Unemployable.